Hi guys, welcome back to the Cam Thinks and Higher podcast. I'm Tosin. I'm Camilla. Hope your exams have gone well and you're preparing for all of your holidays. Hope you've listened to our holiday podcast in advance. <laughs> Today's podcast will be finance related and career related. We're going to be talking about credit cards, so building your credit, what credit is. For this, we have a special guest who's worked um, in credit cards over the last eight months uh, in a re- retail banking graduate scheme. Hi everyone, my name is Sonny. Um, I'm a 22-year-old politics graduate, currently working in retail banking. I'm on a grad scheme on my second rotation, and I'm here to talk a little bit about my career journey and also get into some personal finance. Thank you for being here, Sonny. Uh, yeah, so today's podcast breakdown, Dawson. Okay, so the podcast will be as follows. First, we'll be talking about Sonny's experience and her career and her journey into her current graduate scheme. Then we'll be talking a bit about credit cards, what credit is, and how to build credit. Then we'll be discussing some of the do's and don'ts of credit and busting some of the myths. And finally, we'll be talking about um, tips for students looking to get into banking and potentially moving away from their cities to work, which is something that Sony has done. Yeah. So we'll start with uh, your personal uh, journey and your experience. Okay. so I guess first thing to first place to start would be my degree. Mm. So I went to the University of Nottingham and I studied politics and international relations, not very financial related. I know that's things that's something that a lot of people have questions about and they feel like oh if I didn't study something finance related can I work in the mm-hmm. financial industry yeah. but the answer to that is that actually so many jobs in the financial industry are not number related they're not like number crunching and there's such a wide range of roles available to people so that's just one thing I want to put out there so in terms of my journey into finance um I did a couple of spring weeks prior so in sixth form I did one spring week excuse me um, with Bank of America, Merrill Lynch. Ooh. And I think for um, people sort of below that university age, anybody listening, it's really important to put yourself out there, mm-hmm. apply to as many spring weeks as possible. Um, I think it was a diversity, a women's in finance diversity sort of catered event. So yeah. it wasn't even anything too financial related. But yeah, I think there's quite a few of those out there also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Didn't so. you do one in first year as well? Uh, yeah, so the year before that, I did one with Deutsche Bank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know a few people who did like a summer long with Deutsche Bank right before... Um, uh, right before university mm. and I know also BlackRock does one for six formers mm. for a week long and they're all they tend to be paid as well mm-hmm. I think JP Morgan also does one in Citibank even my well. little sister she's 16 and she's doing the HSBC HSBC yes. yeah mine wasn't paid but mm. I mean there's a rep like get up get on rate my placement that's a mm. really really good site that I use mm. um for spring weeks for internships and for placement years and for grad schemes yeah so a couple of spring weeks before I started university got to university and sort of in my second year, I really was conscious of the fact that I wanted some experience. Um, just thinking of, just thinking, excuse me, about career prospects, um, I was conscious of the fact that I wanted some experience. So mm. I applied for um, an internship, a 10-week in- summer internship in my penultimate summer with um, a high street retail bank. Uh, it was in the retail customer product scheme, and I was placed in the personal loans team for 10 weeks. That was sort of my first step into the financial world okay and did you just apply for financial roles uh yeah so there was a range honestly there was a range of schemes and to be honest being that I'm not from a financial background Mm. I just thought I'll apply I'll apply for the one that sounds less least financial related yeah so I applied for the retail scheme but in hindsight I would really take some time to read across all the different schemes available Mm. um I know in my bank uh, we've got retail scheme we've got commercial banking transformation all sorts of um different areas that will be of interest of anybody regardless of what they're mm-hmm. what they're studying 
Okay, cool. And how was the summer internship? It was great. Mm-hmm. It was really good. Like, one, it's a really good opportunity just to learn. Um, everybody in your team is keen to hear your contributions because you're young and you've got a different way of thinking about things. And it's just really good exposure also. Like, it's a really good opportunity to get to grips with the corporate world, to understand what will be expected from you, to understand whether or not you actually want to go into that. And then also it's just something really good to put on your CV. So if you get a really strong deliverable on your internship, it's really good moving forward because I still talk about what I did on my internship today. I want to ask you, both of you a question since both of you have a politics background and went into finance. How did you find like the transition being in a finance industry around people who have potentially studied finance? Like, did you feel disadvantaged in any way? Mm. Well, personally, on my internship, so I'm going into a role with an investment manager yeah an investment manager and on my internship I was really really scared because um I just don't know anything like in terms of finance my main like strong point I think is commercial like being commercially aware but I don't really know how to apply that exactly to the roles that I was doing um so I was really scared but the transition I don't think for me it's, it wasn't it, that easy because a lot of people I think around me um on my internship had done like masters in like finance mm. um so they really knew what they were doing but it wasn't a requirement so some people will have like more knowledge than you do, but it's not a requirement and it doesn't put you at a disadvantage. Whereas I thought uh, that's what like what really um, scared me. And also because it isn't a requirement, there's loads of like learning tools. Mm-hmm. There's loads of courses yeah. uh, that are available to you to do during your, your um, internship. And uh, right now, as I transition to go into work full time, um, they've put me on a few courses. So like you know, I had like a little assessment on um, and just in like general finance assessment and seeing what I'm strong and what I'm weak at and what I'm weak at. They've like done like a tailored um, learning course for me. And they've also offered like um, additional courses that are optional. So I'm also doing, I'm, I'm currently doing like a business analytics course with um, Harvard Online Business Schools. Um, and I know, Sonny, you've done quite a few courses, haven't you? Do you want to speak about that a bit? Yeah, so off the back <coughs> of what you've just said, there's quite a lot of things that I wanted to follow on from. So firstly, uh, about the your qualification outside of work. Mm-hmm. So I heard today that um, any grad scheme, like any financial-related grad scheme, has to offer um, a, pro- a professional qualification in order to be classified as a grad scheme. Don't mm-hmm. hold me to that, but that's what I heard mm-hmm. today. So. I wouldn't be surprised. I feel like everyone that I know that's going into finance is doing some sort of scheme, um, some sort of qualification alongside with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm doing CMA, which is um, accounting and business accounting and management. Um, it's certificate level, but it's it's compulsory for all of the grads on my specific. Is that with scheme. BPP? Yeah, that's with BPP. So it's online lectures. We won't get too into that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, don't be scared to think that oh, if you don't come from a financial background, you'll be at a disadvantage. Because I work with people that study like when I did my internship, I was surprised because my line manager had studied politics, my senior manager had studied I think it was biology or engineering. Mm. Like there's a real range. I think also though, saying that relating back to what you were saying, given yeah. that we're in different areas in finance. Yeah. I feel like that's a bit more... So when yeah, you get into more sort of commercial products and the commercial bank, yeah. it is a lot more people from an yeah. economic... Especially like corporate banking. Yeah, yeah, law background. But like I said at the start, there's such a wide wide range of area, wide range of jobs available in the world of finance mm. that mm. it's just about finding where you feel most yeah. comfortable. And, and if, I mean, you, if you do the outside work, if you do support yourself with qualifications, if you make the effort to be commercially aware, you'll be fine. Yeah, mm. definitely. Um, yeah, so how was it transitioning into your um, full-time role? Like, what was the process? Um, so my internship, we're going to get into this a little bit later, but just briefly, just to explain, my internship was in London. I'm from London. It wasn't a bad commute. It was quite easy. It was quite easy to settle in and get used to that lifestyle. My first placement as a full-time working 
woman <laughs> was outside London. It was in Chester. Yeah. Um, so that took a lot of adjust- adjusting in that in that sense. But we'll get back to that later. In terms of actually the job role, I had this idea that because I worked and I know you guys have all worked during university yeah. as well. I had this idea that like, oh, when I start work, it's going to be so easy because mm. I'm used to juggling work and mm. studying and it'll be fine. It's only nine to five. And it's not just that easy. One, obviously, I'm studying at the same time. But two, it's just a whole nother. When you're actually a full-time employee, like, you find yourself being a lot more conscious and thinking about work a lot more. It's, it's definitely a different it's definitely a different experience. But I guess it it's like been, a natural career now. Mm. Yeah, exactly. But it hasn't been it hasn't been too difficult. Um, the bank that I work for has really, really good um, work-life balance and mm. agile working policies. And um, one of the things I love most about being on a grad scheme, I feel like this is what sort of differentiates a grad scheme from a grad job is that on a grad scheme obviously you have different rotations and you're just given so much opportunity to learn and I've really felt like I've been given that freedom to learn my product Mm -hmm. learn my role Mm -hmm. learn the business learn my business area and just just learn really get paid to learn not bad (laughs) (laughs) so thank you for that introduction it was very insightful um so before we get into credit cards I thought it'd be good to just cover like what actual credit is and just get like a good idea about it so I was just like doing some research um from experience on Experian and Experian is like one of the main like um credit card like checkers credit checkers and I some of the stuff that I found out I didn't like even know um so there are actually four different types of credit so there's revolving credit uh, there's charge cards, there's service credit, and there's installment credit. And all of them play uh, four different functions. So with revolving credit um, is the credit that we're probably all most familiar with. And, and that really comes down to like cards. So you basically, those are the type of credit cards where you have like a maximum credit limit. And each month uh, you pay some balance of that card. And then you've got charge credit, which basically is the same thing. The only difference is at the end of the month, you pay the full amount. And that can happen with many um, American Express cards. And then you have service credit. So service credit are like, these are the type of services that you use during the month and you pay at the end of the month. So for example, your phone bill, um, electric bills, your gym membership, those all count as um, service credit. And I had no idea what that was and then finally you've got installment credit which are like more like specific loans so um that you have over time and you you pay in installment um over a set period of time um yeah so these are the four different types of credit that i wasn't aware of but now we all are um so sonny do you want to talk to us more about uh credit cards sonny's going to focus more on like revolving credit so yeah cool so i guess if we just start off with a definition first of what is a credit card so a credit card is a small plastic card issued by a credit provider which is usually a bank um, allowing the holder to purchase goods or services in credit up to an agreed limit so there's several different types of credit cards i thought i'd get into all of them and give a brief description because Mm -hmm. i guess some people don't know of all the different products that come under obviously you've got the card product and then you've got different features of the product depending on an individual's needs so the first thing um is a retail purchase card which is the standard credit card that most people will be aware of. You can go out and make purchases on it. Um, if you have a promotion on it, like a 0% promotion, you won't be charged any interest for the period of that promotion. You still have to make your minimum payment, which is usually about 3% of your existing balance every month. Um, yeah, so you can make retail transactions. And if you try and make a foreign transaction or a cash withdrawal, you'll be charged for those, for those actions. Oh, okay. um, after that, we've got a balance transfer card. 
So a balance transfer card is a card that will sort of cons consolidate all of your credit card balances. Um, it might be that you're paying an extremely high um, APR on one card and it's not in your best interest, so you want to transfer it onto this new card, get this new offer or get this new promotion. And it's just basically a way to take control of your debt and hopefully pay more, pay less, sorry, mm. interest over time. We've got money transfer cards. So money transfer, not all um, lenders provide this. It's fairly new, but it's basically for people that need cash. So usually it's a dual card, dual product. So you might have money transfer and the ability to make retail transactions also. Um, and it basically means that you get given your set limit or set, set amount and you can literally transfer the money from your credit card straight into your bank account to pay for cash transactions that you might oh. want to make that you can't make with cards. So mm. there's certain transactions that are excluded from credit cards, such as HMRC, you can't make any payments to HMRC with credit card. Oh. Um, in certain retailers, for example, like Costco, you can only use American Express. Mm. Or you might have a bill that you want to pay that doesn't accept credit card. Mm. Um, so just trying to keep it, still trying to keep it high level, but money transfer. And then finally... Um, low rate cards or this is sort of the special product so low rate cards which would be a card that will give you a fixed rate for a fixed amount of time so for example out on the market um you can get the mbna5 card which is like five percent apr for five years yeah. um there's reward cards where you pay an annual fee and you get some rewards for spending you might get cash back or avios points mm -hmm. um yeah can I just ask you, what is APR for those people that do not know? Because I've been very confused about that in the past as well. Okay. Like, what's the difference between APR and interest rate? Okay, cool. So APR is the annual percentage rate. So that's the um, standard rate that's advertised. When you see your credit card being ad advertised, and it might say APR 19.9%, that's the standard percentage rate that 51% of customers will get that rate or lower. So that's for the good good credit standing that interest customers. rate yeah that's so that okay. means that for the whole year that's your rate that it includes all your interest and all your charges so for the whole year whatever your balance statement is if you're paying interest you divide that by 12 mm -hmm. and that's what you'd be charged on your balance oh, every month so if it says 19 percent apr it doesn't mean 19 percent a month no it's oh my annual, god this whole annual. time i thought it meant 19 percent a month yeah it's 90 percent for the whole for the whole year so it's obviously compound interest right mm. so let's see let's say you've spent a thousand pounds this month right mm. and your annual percentage rate is 19.9 percent okay. so your monthly compounding your monthly interest charge for that rate will be 19.9 divided by 12 oh. that will be charged on and then the next month whatever that is plus what you was charged if you haven't paid that off it gets charged on top yeah. and on top and on. just a quick disclaimer between the two apr and aer are different so apr includes all the interest and fees and AER is just a standard compound interest rate that will be charged on top. So if you have 0% APR, does that mean you get 0%, you have 0% interest? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But again, like I said, those offers out there, we're going to get this into, into this a little bit later. Yeah. <laughs> those offers out there, basically it's FCA Financial Conduct Authority regulation that the advertised rate has to be given to at least 51% of customers, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have good credit standing history, you're likely to get the rate that's advertised or lower. Mm -hmm. But if your credit history isn't as well, isn't, isn't as great then you might get given a higher interest rate yeah. Mm. Okay. So, yeah. okay so we'll now be moving into the q a section of the podcast so the first question is what is a credit score okay so i've got a clear score definition here a credit score is the analysis of an individual's credit files to represent the credit worthiness of an individual pulled from credit bureaus or reference agencies so a credit reference agency would be Experian, 
Equifax or Core Credit. That's another agency in the UK that I don't think is as popular. But basically, your credit score is information pulled from all your financial history, not including your current account and savings, but all your lending history mm. and other things like whether or not you're registered on the electoral roll and your frequency of moving addresses. All this information is plugged into these different credit reference agencies and it's used to calculate a score determining how worthy you are of being lended to. So that's for if you want to take out a loan, how worthy you are of a good rate, um, of how good you are at paying it back, sort of just that. If you want to take out a mortgage, if you want to take out a credit card, it's basically your determinant, your... Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. Um, so do you think students should consider getting a credit card at all in terms of uh, building their credit? I think in order to build your credit with a credit card, you have to be able to pay your balance for you pay your balance in full every single month. So that's what builds your credit. And I've heard a lot of people, like I've heard a lot of myths circling online that oh, the more APR you pay, the more your credit score score increases. That's false. Your credit score is based off of your reliability to lend money to. So if you take a credit card and let's say, for example, you know you can afford your Oyster card, your food shop, whatever, whatever, things you already pay with cash, yeah. use that for your credit card only and you pay that in full every single month, regardless of if it's interest-free or not, mm-hmm. your credit your credit score will increase. What do you for mean students, in sorry, full? Like in the whole, whole balance? The whole balance. So you're... So... <laughs> 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 that was a real life. <laughs> so your whole balance... So, for example, yeah, let's say your balance is two hundred pounds and you pay that off in school every single and you pay that off in four every single month. That's how you. That's the only. Well, not the only way, but that's how you build your credit. What if credit you're paying card. small, small amounts? Not small amounts, but like let's say. What if you overpay the minimum? Yeah. Every month. Every month. Then you, it's not going to make your credit score go down because your credit score is going to go down if you miss payments, but it's not necessarily going to build. So your let's say you borrowed a thousand pounds and you're paying a hundred pounds back a month. It's not gonna. I mean, it will, no, 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 okay, it will build your credit history because you haven't defaulted on, hmm. on your credit card. Let's say you could do that for a year or two. It's not going to reduce your credit worthiness. It's going to build your credit history because a big part, one, it's about your ability to pay back in full, but two, it's also about your history of having credit. Okay. That's, a big, that's a big part of it as well. Mm-hmm. So if you've had an account for a while, for a year or two, and even though you're paying it off little by little, it still looks good because it shows that you're reliable, that you stay mm-hmm. in one place, that you're going to make your payments. Mm-hmm. But in order to see a direct boost like in a short amount of time you need to pay oh. off in full oh, yeah wow, i didn't know that <laughs> interesting yeah um so oh sorry back to the student part yeah. for most students i mean most students are financially unstable so i don't think that's the best way unless you're really going to be able to just put your 50 pound shop on there and pay that in full mm, yeah i don't necessarily think that's the best way for students so you suggest other... like overdraft student overdrafts which yeah. are interest-free yeah. that's not for building i want to suggest that for building yeah. your credit but yeah. in terms of Lending. of lending yeah, yeah i think a student overdraft is the best option and then for when student. would you say then when they have a part-time job or full-time job that's when they should get a credit card yeah when you know that you can make your payments on time in full yeah that's if you want to build your credit but mm. to be honest let's be completely honest like i think what was it we're always talking about that stat the average uk person is six thousand yeah. pounds in credit card debt like people need cash people need liquidity, liquidity. people yeah. need to be able to make purchases so if you need that extra you know room yeah if you need that little bit of spending there okay cool you don't have to pay off your 400 500 600 pound balance every single month but if you're looking to purely build your credit then yeah that's the way to do it okay that really really clarifies some things (laughs) trigger (laughs) (laughs) um does applying for a credit card 
hurt your credit score? No. Okay, so I'm going to talk you guys. I'm going to plug you guys. I'm going to plug you guys on the way to not get any sort of backlash from applying for your credit card. Okay, this is the thing. A lot of people, especially young people, don't have any credit history. And if you have no credit history, that's as bad as having no credit. I mean, that's as bad as having bad credit, sorry. Because people don't know if you're reliable to lend to. They don't know anything about your lending Mm -hmm. history. So if you're unsure of whether or not you're going to get a credit card, don't just jump out the back, just just pop out the pram, apply for an Amex, apply for a Barclay card. Don't just do that. What you should do is complete a pre-eligibility journey. So that basically means aggregators like Money Supermarket or um, what's the other one? There's a Compare the Market, all these aggregating sites. What you want to do is get on there, do a soft search. So a soft search doesn't harm, doesn't impact your credit score at all. Um, How do you select the soft search? So it's just a search on there. So you go on there, you put in all your details, your name, your address, your um, previous addresses, you'll confirm it with a couple of um, products that you own, bank accounts. It has no hard um, effect on your credit score Mm -hmm. and it will bring up every single credit card offering in the UK and it will tell you the ones that you're eligible for, the ones that you're going to get accepted for and the ones that you won't. Mm -hmm. So if you were to just waste your time, go straight to Barclay Card and apply for a card and you're not eligible for it without knowing, you're going to get rejected and that makes a hard impact on your credit score because it looks like then you're not worthy of a certain product okay. but if you apply through the pre-eligibility checker mm-hmm. it tells you it tells you already before you before they make a hard search before it counts as a credit application it yeah. tells you seven out of ten chance nine out of ten chance mm-hmm. ten out of ten oh. chance of getting this product then you look for the one that best suits you so if you're looking for a zero percent promotion you look for the one with a zero percent promotion that says you're absolutely going to get accepted for it and you apply for that card no harm done to your credit okay. to your credit file the stuff that's going to impact your credit file when it comes to applying for credit cards is applying, getting rejected, and then continuously applying for different lending oh. products because it looks like nobody wants to lend to you. Mm, okay. Um, does taking cash out of your credit card, I mean, you, I know that you might get charged interest if you take cash out, but does it affect your credit score? It can. Oh. If you do it a lot. Um, because it looks like then you're cash reliant and it just looks like your financial state is a bit up in the air once or twice it's not a big deal you make your payments on time still then it's fine but if it's something that you're regularly doing a lot or if you're making a lot of gambling i mean most credit cards a lot of credit cards ban gambling transactions but if you're making like bank gambling transactions you're withdrawing a lot of money every month a lot of cash you're incurring cash fees and then that's just building up it mm-hmm. can affect your credit card so just to clarify if you have a credit card you shouldn't be taking out cash no unless unless you've got a money transfer card which mm-hmm. is going to give you the cash that you need Mm-hmm. and cash is going to the cash point and taking yeah, money out taking money out yeah. or making like pseudo cash transactions so like using a money wise money transfer yeah. any cash related PayPal, transaction cash trans- transfers uh, so like um, I'm not too sure about that one withdrawing cash on PayPal yeah okay cool yeah not only will you get hit with a fee you'll get so you'll get hit with the initial fee for withdrawing the money yeah then you get hit with a cash fee that's like ongoing on your cash balance oh. and then yeah it's just it's just a financially responsible way to get cash oh. no shade does paying the minimum um payment on your credit card hurt your credit score just the minimum mm-hmm. it doesn't hurt it but it's just going to mean that in the long run you're probably not going to pay off your balance in a reasonable amount of time and then it will probably contribute to other factors that will affect your credit score mm. so try and avoid it if you can but i mean obviously the most important thing is paying on time and making regular payments. 
so that's the first thing and then the second thing is obviously trying to keep your balance down mm-hmm. and then the next thing is if you can paying it off in full mm-hmm. and some banks let you do like a direct debit to pay off the minimum yeah. payment yeah. Yeah. yeah and some banks let you do a direct debit to pay off the full payment yeah. oh wow <laughs> um, um, a lot of people like will, I've see a lot like it's like don't use more than x percent of your uh, credit limit what do you think about that or what's the truth about that so credit utilisation does affect mm. your credit score. Um, recommended is 30 to 50% of your balance, uh, of your, sorry, of your limit, because then it looks like you are not too short for cash and you're not too credit reliant. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're just going to go into tips for students looking to get into a banking career in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first question I have for you is, what has been the most enjoyable part of your role so far? Okay, so I'm just going to get a little bit back into my personal journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So obviously my first my first internship was in personal loans. My first placement was in um, credit card, existing customers. Um, and then now my second placement is in commercial card, which is basically lending card solutions to corporates, businesses, etc. Um, most enjoyable, it's really great to have a, to have the opportunity to deliver something like to be given a project and see it through from the start to the end. It might just be a research project. It might just be um, like populating something. It might just be contributing to another project that's going on in your team. But having the opportunity to like present, I presented to senior managers, um, internal and a couple external stakeholders, just having that opportunity to sort of like refine your presentation skills, one, and then two, see a clear deliverable that you can actually put on your CV and you mm. can talk to different people about, I would say it's the best. How can students start preparing for a career in banking, would you say? Or, like, retail banking, banking, I guess. There's a lot, like, in terms of different, like, leading retail banks in the UK, none of them are the same. A lot of them have different cultures. A lot of them have different values. So you've got to, I would say, do your research. Look at the different banks and the different, that are offering grad schemes that interest you. Learn about their values. Have a little read about their, like, mission statement. Think about the one that best resonates with you. And then, um yeah like manipulate your your existing skills to fit what they want mm-hmm. that's what i would say okay so um at the a start of the podcast i think you mentioned uh moving to chester for your first placement and i've noticed that that's quite a fe- it's a feature of a lot of a retail banking graduate scheme yeah. uh do you want to speak a bit more about your experience around that and like how was it you know what did you learn from it and maybe i don't know would you do it again yeah we have no choice in that so it was kind of like, unless you have an extenuating circumstance, you can be moved anywhere in the country that has a hub for whatever product you will be placed in. Um, it's not unique. A lot of people do it. It was a trying experience. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a trying experience. Just being away from home. Obviously, I've lived away from home for university, but it's completely different mm. as a working adult because you don't have as many people in your network. You mm. don't know as many people. It's harder to socialise. Mm. But I would say I saw a lot of growth in that period. It gave me the time to like really reflect on what I want out of my career, out of my personal life, out of my hobbies. Like, I would recommend it. I would say that if you get put out there, don't don't kick up a fuss and don't go. Definitely don't give up a job for it because mm. it's a short it's a short amount of time. Eight months is not a long time. Some schemes are even six months. So I would never say give up your job or give up an opportunity because they ask you to move. Move, get the experience, see if you like it. If you don't, 
bear through it and come home and then have a story to tell mm. but i would say push yourself definitely push yourself mm. outside of your comfort zone because i mean yeah london's a financial hub but there's so much going on in financial services outside of london mm. and you don't want to limit yourself because you were scared to push yourself outside of your comfort zone and there's a lot less competition this is in terms of applying for jobs that are based purely outside of london like there's a lot less competition because less people are applying so if you're struggling to get a job or an internship looking to apply into different regions mm. I, would say. I was also going to ask you um so what has diversity been like in the banking industry in your experience still a lot of work needed um i guess now we're at that place where it's a good balance of men and women actually my last team was all men but my wider team like the wider office was a mix so I guess, yeah, we're in that place where there's more of a diverse in terms of seeing men and women, in terms of seeing black women. Uh, yeah. But there's still work to be done. There's still work to be done, but I, th- I feel like a lot of, like, a lot of banks are making the conscious effort. And it's not to say that anybody's getting a job out of pity or to meet statistics, but I feel like they are making a conscious effort to see not only more people of colour reflected in the workspace, but senior leaders as well. Because mm. I went to a talk um about women inclusion and diversity and they'll talk um, like senior managers from my bank were talking about listen we want to see we know it's important to see people black asian ethnic minorities as senior managers it's not enough just to see them in the branch or just to see one person that comes in as a contractor so i think they are a lot of banks are making the conscious effort but in terms of it being there right now i would say no Mm -hmm. and i would say yeah there's a lot of times that you feel uncomfortable you Mm -hmm. feel like you're not being your true self or you feel like you don't want to say certain things because you don't want to be judged but you just have to kind of put yourself into that environment and try and make allies and try and make build relationships with people that look like you that are doing what you want to do and that you can use as points of reference for like advice mm. and contact thank you so yeah, much thank you i think that was really good advice and really good information there thank you so much for being here thank you um yeah and we've hoped you've enjoyed um this podcast Sonny do you have any final thing to say or where people can find you or any blogs oh. any blogs ask you uh, some questions no blogs um, you can find me on LinkedIn Sonny Mansore shameless we'll link that yeah, yeah you can find me on LinkedIn feel free to send me a message about anything email um, sonny.mansore at live.com I guess I'll also link that yeah um, yeah feel free to ask any questions if you want a bit more detail about you know like where I work and stuff feel free and yeah Thank you. Thank you.